a just, stable, and sustainable world for all life. It's the future that 2020 reminded us we really need. While it can be hard to imagine the huge shifts it will take to get there, one thing remains certain, how essential we are to each other. People to people, people to nature, nature to everything. Hello everyone, this is What Are You Doing Here? A podcast by The Emerging World Project, where voices for and about our Earth and all of her inhabitants come to you with stories from across the globe. Stories that remind us that we can achieve incredible things. It starts with each of us acknowledging we are part of something greater than ourselves. I am your host, Addison Brown. And I am your co-host, Marley Alabanza. People to people, people to nature, nature to everything. Indeed, these connections are the bedrock of our existence. When nature thrives, people thrive. But even when we acknowledge this truth on a planetary scale, it's easy to lose sight of what that means to individual communities and individual people. Thriving means a family finding security through a new way of raising food. It's a struggling community rebuilding its economy around climate resilience. It's an indigenous community once held at the margins of society stepping forward to lead ambitious national action. People and nature find ways to thrive together. Let's not forget what that looks like. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Sixth Assessment Report that was published on Monday, August 10th, 2021, has rocked a lot of souls, including many who weren't previously all that concerned about our warming planet. The process of realizing the dire track of climate catastrophe we are on understandably rouses painful and even despairing emotions. This is ultimately a good thing, because we all need to feel about this crisis and not only think about it, if we are going to bust through our defenses that otherwise thwart action. Welcome to Season 2 of What Are You Doing Here? A podcast by the Emerging World Project. We're going to have a chat now with 17-year-old Greta, a born and bred Aussie. Greta spent two years working at a wildlife sanctuary, which made for a very different high school experience. During that time, she saw firsthand the effects of climate change. It was this experience that opened her eyes, and she has said it destroyed her, while also revealing to her her passion and deep commitment to activism. She is now working with Youth Climate Save, a campaign that empowers young people from all over the world to stand up for the climate and animal justice, while also educating others on these pressing issues. Greta? Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, it's lovely to have you. Um, Thank you for 
taking the time to come and talk to us. We're really looking forward to it as well. Amazing. This will be a great conversation, I think. Yes. You guys over there at Youth Climate Save are just on it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's amazing work that the whole team is doing and hopefully just setting us up for a bright future ahead. I I think that's um I think that's a good uh that's a good segue into the beginning of our conversation, which I always love to start these talks just to get to know you a little bit, especially with um how you live in the world and how you understand the natural world in relationship to your own life and maybe if you could recognize um, when you first noticed this relationship to the natural world? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, for me, when I try and think back, I don't think it was one specific time where I noticed my relationship to the natural world, but it sort of evolved greatly over time. And I mean, I am very fortunate to have grown up near the beach and the bushland. So I guess being amongst nature since the day I entered this world, it really has just um, just brought about the connection that I have with it. And it's really just um, reiterated the importance of protecting it as well. And I mean, we are a part of nature. So I guess when I yeah look back on that, it's just, it's really just been a part of me since the day I was born. And yeah, just surround being surrounded by nature. It's a beautiful thing. And it's just really made that connection so deep and made me realize how much how much importance there is in protecting it. That's really beautiful. Did you run around barefoot and mm-hmm. half clothed because it's hot and Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, growing up near the beach, I mean, you're always seeing little kids running around with their little bums out and <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. Everywhere. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing really. I mean, really just that connection and that grounding to the earth. That's the way I think about it. Um, when I when I think about my early days, um, and of course you're you're right. A lot of us don't actually have one specific incident. I think we're just beginning to think about it a little bit more. And so with that, we can sort of trace it back to, oh yeah, I used to make pancakes from acorns, or I used to mm-hmm. write. And then you see how you were relating to it at some point um, beyond yeah. being on top of it. But it was some sort of, you know, like, well, for me, it was, I, I was just infatuated with things that fell out of trees and berries and all kinds of, you know, that was my thing. But I never, when the question was put to me, I never thought about it as one incident until I started putting the dots together and going, oh, yeah, I was always trying to make food. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You make a really great point there. And that's really brought me back to, yeah, my really young years and making mud cakes. I always remember going uh-huh. outside in yeah in the summer or winter doesn't matter rain hail or shine I'd be right out in the garden pouring water in the dirt making mud cakes feeding it to right. my dolls <laughs> and even just the, all those beautiful little connections exactly exactly and even the um not uh, thinking about the rain as an impediment or anything it's just it was rain and then you know how we we get a little bit older well maybe not but some people start to um 
have the weather sort of dictate their mood and mm-hmm. right. So it's cold. I'm going, and I'm not saying that it doesn't have some sort of effect, but there was that time in our, in most of us have memories of a time when we didn't think about it. You just went in the rain and you just, because you were a part of, it's just a very natural thing. It was part of the sunshine as much as it was anything else. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I mean, in winter when it was raining, that was just another opportunity to get outside and go puddle jumping or, Mm -hmm. you know, in summer it was just an opportunity to go swimming. It's just, you know, it's just a part of us and we just sort of adapt to it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of um, the things that you are choosing to, to do in your everyday life, I'm going to say everyday life because you sound like um, you are very grounded uh, in your understanding about this. So with that, um, how do you think this sort of understanding has affected your relationship to the natural world? Wow. Yeah, a great question. I mean, it's just more than anything really brought to my attention how important it is for all of us humans, we have the responsibility to protect all life on earth. And I mean, protect it for future generations as well. So they can all experience these amazing things that we talk about now, the puddle jumping and all of these beautiful things. So we, so we can protect that future for them as well. And I mean, the terrible things going on in the world with the climate crisis. I mean, I would hate to see my own town and my home being destroyed by crazy weather events and things like that. So to think about that happening to other people in the world, it's just devastating. And it just makes me want to do everything I possibly can that's in my power to protect nature. And it just really reiterates how beautiful it is and how much we really need to protect it. That's really special. It's really special to have that depth of compassion kick in. Um, it, you know, where it's just natural. It's like you're a soldier, someone's bleeding you, you know, you're up and you're at it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really beautiful. Um, I love that you spent a couple of years working at a wildlife sanctuary yes. in high school. So um, I would love for you to tell us about, um, tell us about the wildlife sanctuary and then give us um, uh, like a typical day in the life of working at the wildlife sanctuary. Absolutely. So yeah, it um, started about three years ago now. I started working at a beautiful koala and wildlife sanctuary um, just near my hometown, just a 10 minute drive away. And I really just, I've always loved wildlife and Australian wildlife. It is really is something special. And um, this wildlife sanctuary was something where I, I went there every single year and I loved seeing all the animals and the beautiful experiences that Um, you could do there and one day I just started um, I thought oh wow I really should volunteer here I think that would be such a beautiful thing being able to work so close to the animals and learn so much about them so I started to do that and I volunteered at this sanctuary for about six months and then after that time the owner of the sanctuary offered me a full-time job there to do a traineeship yeah so it was an amazing experience I really could not imagine anything better in to do in your teenage years. And so at that point, when I had that opportunity, I thought, right, I cannot turn this down. So mm-hmm. I began homeschooling and 
So I was homeschooled and I worked at this beautiful sanctuary completing my Cert 3 in animal studies. And I worked there five days a week where it was so amazing. I would um, work a lot in the animal hospital and in the nursery. So this sanctuary, it takes in a lot of injured animals from road accidents or they've fallen out of trees or they've just gotten lost along their way. And we would take them in and care for them and then eventually be able to release them back into the wild, which truly is just the most magical thing. And Mm. working with these animals, it really was so grounding and just brought me back to nature so much. And working with the beautiful little kangaroo joeys and the koala joeys and nursing them since they were tiny, tiny, tiny little babies. It's truly beautiful. And in terms of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you no, no, you go ahead. It, it just made me think about um, you, you making that decision, which caused you to homeschool. And do you have siblings? And how did your parents, um, obviously, they supported this, but how did how did the conversation come about? And what was the, how was the conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely did make for a very different high school experience. It's not the typical five days a week at school and homework on weekends or, you know, hanging out with friends and that sort of a thing. It definitely was very different. So when it first came about, I think my parents were probably a bit hesitant at first, thinking how is she going to continue her education and, you know, still keep up her grades and everything. But I think more than anything, they just really saw how happy these animals made me and how mm. how much I really wanted to work with them and how much I really wanted this to be a part of my future. So over anything, they saw just how, just how it ignited that spark in me really and they supported that and I'm so grateful for that and this opportunity. I mean, it really has just changed my life so much in the best way possible. That's really beautiful. That is just so beautiful to come to that place. Um, what were you, 17, 16 or 17? I would have been 15 at the time oh my when the goodness. opportunity first came about. Yeah, very young. Uh, I love that. Well, you were working at 15. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Child <laughs> labor. On the download. <laughs> It was not child labor. She consented. Not uh, at all. Just a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you were going to just run me through a, a typical day. Wow. Because you were yes. in the hospital, working in the hospital, the wildlife sanctuaries hospital. These stories yes. are always mm, daunting but happy endings when they get the re-released back into the wild exactly yeah there's a lot of sad moments but it's the beauty of nature as well and definitely the happy and beautiful moments overrun the sad times and Mm. it's just an amazing experience so yeah a day in the life for me would have been I would have woken up at about 6 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. and then I would have fit in a bit of homeschooling, see what I could have got done. I'd usually start the day with a bit of maths, (laughs) get your brain going for the day. And then at about eight o'clock, I would head over to the animal sanctuary. And first thing in the morning, you've always got to feed the babies. They're starving and ready for a good bottle of milk. Mm 
<laughs> so I would get ready the bottles of milk, I'd heat them up and I'd head over to what we called the roostery. So basically a nursery for little kangaroo joeys. And oh my God, the roostery. Yeah. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. One of my favorites for sure. And I would head over there and would usually have about six or seven joeys at a time. And it would be quite the battle to see how many bottles I could hold in between my legs, holding one, you know, in between my knees and three in each hand. And (laughs) so they all got to go at once because they're all starving at this point. And yeah, feeding them (laughs) is just so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) It is beautiful. I would have so many stories about these joeys and different things oh, in this so wonderful sanctuary. Yeah, so that would be the first thing for the day and I would head back into the hospital and we would usually have a few new um a few new little joeys or something that have come in overnight, either little baby ringtail possums that have fallen out of trees unfortunately, but you know, it's just an amazing thing to think that I had an impact in these beautiful little animals' lives and I could help them thrive in the future. So then it beautiful. would be time to feed. Yeah. Then it would be time to feed the little ringtails or any other little babies that we had, often little baby wombats as well that need their bottle. So yeah, definitely my favorite time of the day for sure. <laughs> and then it would be time to go around to all of the visitors in the hospital and make sure their um, enclosures were nice and clean, attend to any wounds that they might have, just check in and really see how they were doing that day and then report back to the owner of the sanctuary to see what further actions might be required or which ones might be able to get released that day or very soon. So that would always be the first part of the day. And then after I'd finish up in the hospital, it would be getting out into the sanctuary and finishing up any other enclosures that other volunteers um we're still trying to get done for the day. So it might be the birds that have come in that unfortunately can't be released because they're too reliant on humans anymore. But we did really give them the best life that they mm. could have possible. And and then, yeah, there was also a cattery there as well. So I would get to go in and just give the cats a bit of a hug and a bit of love. And it was really lovely just to see their days light up. And It would just be finishing off jobs around the sanctuary. Of course, there is the dirty work as well, cleaning up all of the poo and cutting up all of the food and doing all of that sort of a thing. But it all is a part of it. And it's all just such a beautiful experience. Exactly. That is really beautiful. And I, I hear that too about the cleaning it up. And I almost never think of it as the dirty work because I think, you know, we're all here and we all have pretty much the same routine in that way. We have to, somebody feeds us at some point in our life and somebody cleans us at some point and then we feed ourselves Absolutely. and we clean up ourselves. And it that is the part of being alive, right? Absolutely. Although, I, of course, we would just want to cuddle the uh, the joeys, but I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I understand that the, the whole, all of it is, is, is as important, uh, I believe. And also just... Um, teaches you about, you know, just the the similarities we have in the way that we exist. Oh, exactly. It really just brings back that the common point that we all mm-hmm. have. And it's, you know, just the shared living on earth. We're exactly. all here to live exactly. and survive and thrive. And we're all the same in some ways. And we're just here to do our best and, you know, live out our best life. Right. So the love that you're putting out, you know, it's, I'm sure you're almost certain 
that they are receiving it. There's a feeling that you ha- that you have a an unspoken feeling that that you have and you know. And that's the thing that I'm certain we are all reaching to reconnect with. Um, Absolutely, I think that's so important to reconnect with that deep part in ourselves that you know realizes how you know we share life on this earth with a lot more species than just ourselves and reconnecting with that is really a beautiful thing yeah so i want to talk about i'm sure you've read the the report that came out um the intergovernmental panel of climate change that recently came out yeah it came out on monday um I'm sure you know it's not anything new. It just carries a red flag now for those that have not been aware of it. But most of us that have been aware of it, we already understand the situation that we're in. So one of the things yes. that I'm that we're noticing um, with the Emerging World Project um, is this mm, need for community and cooperation. So we're moving away from a sort of competitive mentality a sort of rugged individualism and a more Mm -hmm. community and cooperation so within the space of of the work that you're doing can you uh, talk about um, some community building that you might be doing and then also moving into how I don't know about you but when I read the report even though I've known all of this I had a couple of days of really heavy-heartedness it took me a while to to get myself out of it. And there's certain things that I do on a regular basis for myself. We're calling it self-care to uh, balance that back out. So I would love it if you um, spoke about that and how that is uh, rolling out in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think there's a lot to unpack in there. So I'll start off with, yeah, when the IPCC report first came out, obviously it's It's things that um, people like you or me, you know, we already know these things. It's just really reiterated the importance and the urgency of immediate action. So it was quite devastating with this report coming out, but it also does provide a bit of hope that possibly, you know, more people will start to take action and realise how much our impact on the earth really matters at this point in time, now more than ever. So... Yeah, that was my immediate sort of thoughts on the IPCC report. And then, yeah, the importance of community building in this time, I think, is a very important point to focus on. I mean, for so long, we've been tied up in this world where it really is a very competitive nature and everyone's trying to better themselves individually, which it is great to some extent. But I think lately we've really seen how much working together and rebuilding relationships, not only between us fellow humans, but also with the natural world, how vital that is to survival um, for all life on earth. So community building is a really important topic. And I think the power of education and knowledge um, Mm -hmm. within each individual is a really beautiful thing. And so personally, what I've been doing in this time is really just getting out in the community wherever possible and spreading awareness about the very important issues that are happening in the world. So even if it's in schools or, you know, town hall meetings and that sort of a thing, just really sharing each other's knowledge and education for Mm. planet Earth 
is amazing to spread awareness and just better ourselves and see what more we could be doing to save planet earth so for me personally that's doing a lot of speeches around town about Mm. um, mainly um, climate change and the effects that animal agriculture have on climate change and Mm. it is um, amazing how much animal agriculture is greenwashed in the world and how a lot of people don't see the links between the two and how devastating some of the impacts are on the planet so The climate crisis is right in line with the current animal crisis that's going on and just educating yourself and researching and sharing that beautiful knowledge with other people is an amazing thing and it really can bring about amazing change within the world. That's what I definitely believe and it's definitely just so essential for our survival. I think absolutely, absolutely, and survive, uh, that's... uh... Uh, where we're at. Um, I lost my question. (laughs) I was going to ask you about when you're out and you're talking to people. So there's been a massive amounts of awareness and content being created. And, um, but we are also in this phase of uh, community conservation, right? And that involves a lot of education. So do you are you looking at specific age groups or are you finding that there's a general uh, uh, sort of general education that needs to happen? Welcome to season two of What Are You Doing Here? A podcast by the Emerging World Project. We are in conversation with Greta from the Youth Climate Save Movement. When I first um, began sort of getting out in the community and speaking about these important issues, I was really directing it at people my own age because Mm. I guess we are the future generations and those sorts of things. But after a while, I really realised just how important everyone's actions are and I started um, making my speeches and directing things more at just the broader community in general and everyone Mm -hmm. because I truly believe that everyone can do something and everyone has their place um, in this world to do positive things and I really believe in directing that energy out towards you know people of um, all ages and everything it can really bring about the most change and be the most impactful. I would have to agree with that. Um, Can you talk to us about um, the Youth Climate Save campaign, how you got involved, what what exactly it does, and um, all that good stuff? Absolutely. So (laughs) Youth Climate Save is a beautiful, beautiful organization. It was created by a wonderful environmental and animal activist called Genesis Butler, she created this branch of the SAVE movement. So the SAVE movement is an amazing organisation that um, aims to reduce animal suffering and save animals from the agriculture industry. And then since then, then, when it started about a decade ago, they've made several branches being the Climate SAVE movement, Health SAVE movement, Animal SAVE movement, and now Youth Climate SAVE. So 
Youth Climate Save is basically giving voice to youth all around the world globally on these very important climate and animal issues that are happening. And we really focus on the link between animal agriculture and how transitioning to a plant-based food system would mm. create such a beautiful world for everybody where we can really just re-establish those connections to the natural world. So Genesis has really done some amazing work and working with um, other like-minded youth activists has really just been the most empowering thing and just so um, eye-opening and mind-opening and it really just makes you feel such a strong sense of belonging working with these amazing other people that really just want to do good in the world as well. And yeah, some of the work that we do is um, like I was talking about before, trying to get out in the community as much as we can. And we make a lot of posts about um, different things regarding animal agriculture and the climate crisis and really focus on what people can do individually to um, better their relationship with the natural world. So I noticed that you're connecting um, animal agriculture um, real heavily here. And I would love for you to connect those dots for our audience. Um, because we do have two conversations going on here. There's the ethical choice of veganism, veganism. And then there's this very, uh, health choice. And so we're seeing, uh, information come out about both sides of that. And it sounds like you're standing on the side of, uh, ethics, Yes, yeah. So I guess with veganism, there is all these different branches of it. There's sort of like the health, um, the health crisis that's going on. And then there's the climate crisis and also just the animal and ethical issues that surround it as well. And personally, for me, I really, I really love all of them and focus a bit on all of them. But mm -hmm. definitely my main focus goes into the ethics behind it. And you know, it really saddens me that we have grown up in a world where it is normal to exploit nature the way that we do at the moment and, mm. you know, breed animals, farm animals at a mass, mass production rate just so industries can profit off of their bodies. It really saddens me to think that that is such a large part mm. of our society. And yeah, just connecting those dots is really so important in bettering yourself. I mean, when I became vegan, it really was just, I guess, the most empowering thing because my living no longer depended on another's suffering. And mm. that is really just the most empowering thing. And mm. really connecting those dots back to, you know, back to that, like how we were talking about before, how all life on earth is here for a reason and, you know, animals aren't here for us, but they're here with us on planet mm. Earth. And we really need to respect that. And I think in doing that and embracing veganism and stopping the exploitation of these beautiful sentient beings that they are can really just absolutely reconnect everyone's relationship to nature and just, and then that just aligns with climate change as well. And just reestablishing the Earth, I suppose the conversation is really heavy and I have th these conversations all the time and I listen to people uh, vacillating um, because, well, I need the protein. I need this, some of the older arguments. Mm -hmm. And I see, I have these conversations with people 
in all age ranges, right? So this brings back to, I think, um, uh, checking in with ourselves and maybe looking at the, the, our, our spiritual understanding of how we live and what is our right relationship with the earth. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I don't know if you have if you have any, you know, if you struggle with any of those conversations, but I really do. I, I just, I, I, I talk to so many people that just don't see the suffering. They don't yeah. believe the suffering is there. There's mm -hmm. a certain level of, mm, I want to say denial, but yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about. I feel about, like we could go on on this topic for so long. Right, right, and you know we might come back to it. You maybe you'll come back and talk to us. You know this is this is all organic. It'll it'll roll out how we need it to. Um, can you talk to me about? I think you already have talked to me about your area of focus. It sounds like animal agriculture is really what you're focusing on. Is that? Could you say so, or do you feel like it's much broader than that for you? Like I can only hold yeah. the bandwidth. I only have the bandwidth for my, you know, uh, uh, certain elements, and then I have to let other people uh, toe the line on those other ones. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, great question. And I mean, the my I would definitely say that my focus is towards the elimination of animal agriculture and. Mm -hmm. Um, doing this for climate justice and animal liberation really and mm -hmm. it definitely would be um, yeah I definitely think it is my strongest ideal is really just that transition to a plant-based food system because I think it's very easy as we were saying before to um, you know think that out of sight out of mind and mm -hmm. but I don't think we can ignore the effects of animal agriculture anymore not only on the animals but on the planet as well and I think it's really time that we sort of face up the facts and it is it can there can be some very hard conversations that go around this topic but I think they also are very important and essential conversations that we must be having with people so yeah the I am so 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 passionate about veganism I just think it really is the most beautiful thing and it also really saddens me that there is such a negative stigma around veganism or mm. that it's just a diet and these sorts of things, but it really is just a movement in um, eliminating suffering. And I think it is definitely one of the most important movements that, I, that is happening at the moment and it is growing steadily, which really does make me happy. But yeah, that's definitely my focus in, at this point in time. That that's wonderful. That is that's really wonderful. I'm gonna be really excited to see how you move out in the world because you're definitely gonna be doing a lot of that. Did you have any spirituality or religion growing up that plays that you feel is speaking to you on some other on another level? Growing up, I wasn't involved much in religion and those sorts of things and I definitely think about these things deeply and very often and I haven't come to any kind of conclusion I don't think about a greater being but 
I definitely believe in just the power of ourselves and there being something beautiful out there that has called us all to this planet. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I definitely mm-hmm. continue to think deeply and very um, honestly about these things within myself, for sure. That's lovely. That's really beautiful. Um, is there an expression uh, other than aha <laughs> for you? And have you had any aha moments? I want to have a different expression. <laughs> Do you have a different expression? <laughs> Oh, I mean, oh God, it's a good question. I mean, really just, oh, wow. I mean, definitely an aha moment, as we say. It would definitely just, like I was saying before, be becoming vegan and connecting these dots. And I just really feel like everything fell into place for me. And I just discovered my calling through veganism. And it really was just the best feeling in the world. And I really think that was my aha moment because everything just fell into place. And I mean, it really is just wow when you think about it all in retrospect. Greta, that is so amazing. I want to hug you right now. That is so amazing. I mean, really, it, 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 just to say veganism and then all, everything falls into place and the way you in turn will look at the world and every element and I mean, every element down to, you know, probably the soil, right? And a, a grain of sand. That is phenomenal to to oh, be awakened to that. I love that. Um, there's just so many sides to veganism. I mean, even just when I'm having a bad day, you know, I remember that I'm vegan and it just makes me mm. so much happier. And it Beautiful. just really lifts my mood. And I just think it can do amazing things for mental health as well. I just wanted to add that in quickly too. Oh, I I agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly. I, and I have a friend that says that it must have come from some spirit because I wasn't really around. Uh, There was nothing in my life. I was like six. There's nothing in my life that was saying, oh, you shouldn't eat animals or you shouldn't. It was just, I just decided I didn't want to do that. Yeah, it's just like a calling, isn't it? Right. But it but and then my aperture became just kept widening and widening like I can't walk past anything. This morning I was on a hike and there was this tree stump that I'd seen squirrels, little baby ones and a couple of big ones going in and out of it, right? So I was fascinated. And so every day for the last month I've been checking it out and also just feeling the 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 you talk about your what I seemed like mothering when you were at the sanctuary right like you had to go and feed your babies yes, absolutely <laughs> I, right like all these mothers in the world and and that is just that just does it for me right to see that squirrel making a home with her family just like us Exactly. It just, it opens your mind completely, doesn't it? I mean, it was, it's just fascinating, fascinating to watch her, watch her do her thing. And I thought, you know, she's doing her part. I'm going to do my part, right? Like, that's that's so cool. Like, it's just beautiful. And, you know, we treat trees like furniture. And so I wasn't so upset that there was this gorgeous 
stump of a tree, right? Like I, I started to go down that path of like, gosh, like why? What was the point of cutting this tree yeah. down? <laughs> right? And then, and Absolutely. Then, I, then I saw the squirrels and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, That's why. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> they have a really wonderful space on the lake. I mean, it was just beautiful. Okay, so... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, if, if you were going to write a message in the sky for all of the world's people to see, what would it say? In a world where you can be anything, choose to be kind to all life on it. I mean, there's so many beautiful messages and quotes that inspire me so much. And I always come back to that one because mm. I just think it sums it up so beautifully. I mean, there's so many things that I would love to write in the sky for the whole mm-hmm. world to see. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. I mean, kindness and compassion is such an amazing thing that we all have inside ourselves. We just, some of us just need to really dig deep and bring that out. And I think that message, just be kind to all life on earth where, you know, in a world where you can be anything is just a very important and inspiring message. Well, I'm going to be looking for that message in the sky from you and I won't take it lightly. So (laughs) if you could paint us a picture from your mind's eye of the future for if you choose to have children and they choose to have children. So let's just go a few generations. What would that picture look like to you? Mm, I mean... Wow, I think we can definitely, in these next few years in our lives, we can really change the world for so many future generations and make it really beautiful for them. And I think that that is such an inspiring and empowering thing to be doing. So in an ideal world, and I do believe that we can get there if we act now, um, I really think it would look like just working in line with nature once more and not against it. And really living amongst it instead of, you know, it like sort of nature being on the side and pushed to the side like it is commonly these days, which is quite sad. But I really think that working back in line with nature would be such a beautiful thing. And where humans, animals and plants are all thriving, not just surviving, but thriving all Mm. as one. And Mm. I mean, I think there'd be amazing other transitions that we could make, like a plant-based food system, renewable energy you know where um with the food system i mean where animals are treated as sentient beings and not just as commodities and i think this would just bring about equality for everyone and i think that that would make such a beautiful world as well and just really for on the point of my children and future grandchildren and those sorts of things i would just love to create a world for them where there's no more fear for the future or any Mm. eco-anxiety like my generation experienced so badly these days. And I mean, more than anything, I would just picture a beautiful world where everyone is happy and living their best life and especially not at the expense of another's. And that would be my ideal world. Right, right. I'm, I'm with you. I believe that we can get there. We have a lot of work to do, but I think with more Gretas in the world, such as mm-hmm. yourself, um, 
and Addison's. And Addison's. Okay. I'll do my part too. <laughs> but really like you, your ability to artic- articulate and to understand um, and then be able to talk to other people in, in all age ranges is phenomenally important. So I'm really happy that you're making the choices that you are and I'm grateful to you. I want to give you, um, you, you're absolutely welcome. I want to give you some space to um, um, maybe go a little bit. We have like five minutes. So if you wanted to speak on anything in particular, um, let's just say for your community. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. That's such a beautiful thing to be able to do. I mean, I really just think the importance of opening our eyes right now to the natural world and letting it in to our lives is a really important point that we must do. And I know I've been saying it a lot, but I just want to reiterate that. And I think it's so amazing the power that humans do have and converting that power into goodness and like just doing good in the world. I mean, I think that is amazing. And I really do believe in the power of knowledge and education and doing your own research within your own communities and just really getting out there and doing as much as you can, if that's working in a community garden or volunteering and doing things like community composting and really just working towards that equitable future for everyone. And I really do encourage everyone to go out there and really think about their own beliefs and values. And I'm sure many people, you know, we all, we all love animals and we all love nature. So I really just think that it's time to align our values and beliefs with our actions. And as consumers, we are very, very powerful. And I always say that I believe one of the most powerful things that we can do as consumers is not consume certain things and Mm. really just work with the animals and work with nature and really just see what a beautiful world we could be creating by no longer exploiting nature for what it is and just digging back down and seeing the beauty in all life on earth and doing that within your own community is an amazing thing because I think all positive and big changes can start within an individual, a community, a town, and then that can spread to your country or the whole world. And that is an amazing thing. And we all have the power to do that. That is really exquisite and a beautiful way to sum up our conversation. I, um, there was something that you said that I was, I didn't want to interrupt you because it was just so beautiful. Um, and I forgot <laughs> what it was. <laughs> I'm but, so sorry. No, sweet. It's just, it's fine. But it really does have to do with, with, I think of it as dropping a, a stone in a pond, right? So you're standing yes. in the pond and you drop that stone and it just reverberates out and reverberates out. But the important thing is that we're, we're standing where we're at right now in this moment, in this time and space. And we need to drop that stone and trust that and have faith that those ripples will ripple out and have an effect. And I, um, 
That's what I hear when I when I hear your summary. Absolutely. I mean, it's so easy to think that as an individual, you can't do anything. You can't change the world on an individual basis. But the ripple effect that single people can have is incredible and that can spread out to the entire world. I mean, I think we really underestimate the effect of single people. I mean, if I can influence one person and they can influence one more person and then that just keeps going on and on and on and together we can create an amazing and beautiful world once more. I concur. All right, Greta, what a beautiful, you're just really wonderful to speak with you and I appreciate your sharing your knowledge and your story with us and I will be watching you Oh, thank you so much, Addison. Thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity and all of the good work that you're doing in the world. And I'll definitely be following along on your journey as well. And together we can do this. I just know it. Yes, indeed, we can. To Leaf Falls, we're on it. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. (laughs) Okay, Greta, take good care of yourself, okay? You too. It was beautiful speaking with you. Thank you for joining us. This has been What Are You Doing Here? A podcast produced by the Emerging World Project, whose studios are on Tongva land. The Emerging World Project is a collective of conservationists and artists who create transmedia content in an environment that nurtures creativity, openness, vulnerability, courage, collaborative leadership, responsibility, and the willingness to risk failure to reach for a collective vision of a better world. If you'd like to dig deeper into the podcast conversations, start by heading over to emergingworldproject.org. And remember, friends, be the light in the room.